you got to take the good with the bad, Jets fans. The good? Zach Wilson looks better. The bad? Those of us who wanted Tyler Linderbaum in the draft? Might be time to look elsewhere. I'm Glenn Norton with Jet Nation Radio and JetNation.com. Thanks for checking us out and be sure to log in to JetNation.com where you can join up and become a part of what is the most active Jets message board on the web. So as we discussed the other day, the Jets lose to the Eagles at home with 33-18, but some signs of life from the arm of Zach Wilson as he comes out, has his best game as a pro. I said it during the game, said it after the game, checked up the numbers on uh, PFF.com, which kind of confirmed what, we, what I thought we were seeing a more decisive, quicker throws, quicker release uh, from Zach Wilson. So far this year, this past Sunday, was his his quickest time from snap to throw, 2.66 seconds. As I said, doesn't come as a surprise. Just watching the game, you felt like he was getting it. You felt like he was more decisive. You felt like the ball was just, it was popping out of his hand a lot quicker than it was at any other point this season. Not a lot of not a lot of running around, looking, looking, looking. He was he was identifying who, where he wanted to deliver the ball, and he did it. Five drops from from his receivers didn't help, but if we're being honest, some of those drops. I mean, a drop is a drop, but not all drops are equal, right? Ball hits you in the chest, you drop it. That's that's horrible. But some of these, look at the Elijah Moore drop in the back of the end zone, catchable ball. Yes, looked like it hit the meat of his left hand. Didn't squeeze it with that right hand on time. But Zach Wilson could have put that ball in a better spot. We saw a drop from Tevin Coleman on a ball that, you know, Coleman is Coleman's turning around to to expecting the ball to be there. And it's it's not quite over his head, but it's not on target either. It's not hitting him in the chest. He's not just catching it and turning. It's popped up. He's he's got a slow he's got to slow down to reach up and try to pull it off his helmet. That ball gets dropped. So these are, are these drops, yes, but does that mean Zach Wilson was perfect and he was putting the ball on the money and guys weren't doing their job? Not really. Again, catchable balls for a young quarterback who's trying to break out of a funk. You'd like to see guys hang on and, and make these plays, but he can be better. Um, all in all, though, 77% adjusted completion percentage from PFF. That basically means they're taking the they're taking the ball that he spikes in the dirt. They're throwing that out. They're taking the throws that hit receivers in the hands that are, again, not easy catches, but catchable. Um, and Zach Wilson's at 77%, which I believe they uh, that was his highest of the year as well. So we saw some really good things from Zach Wilson on Sunday. Second half, couldn't get anything going. There were drops, and the Eagles just chewed up clock. Jets couldn't get the ball back. When they did, three and out. Eagles chewed up another seven, eight minutes. So there wasn't really... Zach Wilson on the offense did nothing in the second half, but the few passes he threw, there were a couple of drops on those, and they they just couldn't get anything going. Um, One of the drops on Elijah Moore, really tough one, deep down the right sideline, and a tough play for both guys, Wilson and Moore. If you go back and watch the All-22, Moore has a step and a half on Darius Slay, which, listen, you're facing Darius Slay, a step and a half, that is wide open. you got to deliver that ball on target. Zach Wilson steps up in the pocket, gets ready to deliver. A defender breaks through. Now he's under pressure. He's got a man in his face, and he has, he has to flick it up a little bit quicker than he wants to. Then the ball is underthrown. So instead of leading more into the end zone, which is the plan, Moore has to turn around, jump up one-on-one against Slay, and the ball does find its way to Moore, goes right through his hands. So again, that was a very catchable ball, but he does have a defender up against him. 
making a play on him and the ball and just making it that much tougher. So, again, does it, does it, an elite number one top wide receiver make that play? More times than not, yes, because the ball is in his hands. Um, in the in Moore's case here, he had to adjust, come back, ball went through his hands, incomplete pass. So, Wilson has to rush the throw because of the pressure. That forces him to, to lose a little bit of zip on it. And then Moore turns around, has to adjust, does adjust, ball gets to him, right through his hands, incomplete pass. Otherwise, you're talking about a huge chunk play that gets the Jets inside the five-yard line. So it wasn't a perfect day for anybody, but again, the key point here is that we saw significant improvement from Zach Wilson, and that's what this next, you know, the the the, the home stretch for this season is what it's going to be about, is the Zach Wilson, is he more decisive, is he more confident stepping up in the pocket, identifying the open receiver, and figuring out what the defense is throwing at him. So, I know for the majority of Jets fans, I'm seeing encouragement. I'm seeing people happy to see the kid progressing. Others, listen, there are some fans that just don't like the kid, didn't want him drafted, nothing he's, and nothing he's going to do is going to be right. Um, when something goes well, it will be because of the coordinator or the guy who makes the play, and nothing will be on Wilson. But that's fine. You're always going to have that. Always going to be a segment of the fan base that that doesn't want a guy come draft time. So when they're drafted... It becomes about discrediting any progress, anything positive they do, and that's life. It's 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 fandom, right? Um, people just want to be right, and when they say this guy sucks, don't draft him, and you draft him, you still want to be right. So when he doesn't suck, you say he sucks, and when he plays well, you say yeah, it's not him; it's the guys around him. He's not doing anything. That's life, right? So anyway, you move on from that. Corey Davis out for the year. That's a big story. Um, a guy he's really struggled year one. A bunch of drops, uh, a couple fumbles. You hope that he gets 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 himself right, comes back next next season and plays at a at a higher level. But one of the big takeaways to me for this game was the draft implications, and what this game and the last really the last few games has is telling me is that if you're Joe Douglas and you've got two picks, which now it does look like there's a really good chance both these picks will be in the top ten the Jets and and Seahawks. And even when the Seahawks were struggling, you figured, well, Russell Wilson will come back. They'll reel up, they'll win 6 out of 7 or 5 out of 6 and that'll end up being 17th, 18th pick. They've lost a bunch in a row. They beat the they beat the San Francisco 49ers. But the Seahawks really are in a position where it looks like for the Jets this could end up being two top 10 picks. So what does that mean? For those of us and this includes me, I've said it a million times this this season that I want Tyler Linderbaum. I want the big center who is the best center in this class, probably going to be a perennial all-pro. The thought of him playing alongside Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton, and we'll get to him, is is I mean, who would who wouldn't want that? Anyone in their right mind is gonna want that on Sundays. But it's I don't see it happening now. If you've got two top 10 picks and your defense is going out there playing like this every week, those picks need to be spent on defense. Like it or not, the Jets need corners, the Jets need safeties, the Jets need linebackers, the Jets need an edge rusher, and there are some out there. Even if the top guy, if Hutchinson and Thibodeau are gone early on, for me, I, I think Carl Aftis out of Purdue, good player. And I'm seeing him, you know, a lot of these these draft simulation sites, you're kind of seeing him move up. I look at the the draft network just yesterday. 
They've got Karlaftis up to this, their number six player now. So this guy can get to the passer. And whichever guy it is, I don't see how Joe Douglas can go into this draft with two picks in the top ten and not target an edge rusher. And then, could he pass on corner? It's tough to say because there, there's a really good chance there's going to be a good one on the board when he's picking. And that, that that's a scenario where if they do go offensive line, it's probably tackle. Because George Fant, he's got one year left on his deal. Morgan Moses, long in the tooth, one-year deal. So, Makai Becton and his injury issues, he's not a guy you can look at and say, well, we can we can pencil him in as the tackle for the, the, for the next however many years. He's got to show he can stay healthy. So you've got a guy who hasn't shown he can stay healthy, another guy who's 30 on the last year of his deal, and another guy who's only got one year left on his deal. So if the Jets go offensive line with both those, with or I'm sorry, with one of those top 10 picks, it's got to be a tackle. It has to be. Connor McGovern right now is fine. He's not great. He's good enough that you can you can send him out there for another year or take a tackle later. Take Alec Lindstrom out of Boston College. Something like that. But for this team to be playing the defense the way they are and to expect them to go out and draft a center, we've talked about it before. Joe Douglas, one thing we've seen from him, his top, those premium picks, those top 10 picks, well, of course, Becton was 11. But those first-rounders, those early first-rounders, quarterback, left tackle, the premium money, pass rusher, Carl Lawson, the big money, and the premium picks are going on premium players. The caveat, the one exception, Elijah Vera Tucker. You traded up to get him. But that's 14. Does he do the same thing with pick 7 or 8? Are you picking Tyler Linderbaum with the 8th pick in the draft? And I'm not even saying I wouldn't want it. This isn't me saying this is what I want the Jets to do. I'm just looking at the way this team is playing. And I'm looking at Joe Douglas's history. And Joe Douglas's history tells us premium picks on premium players. And center, as good as Tyler Linderbaum may be, isn't going to carry the same value as edge rusher or shutdown corner or an elite tackle. It just doesn't. So the Jets have needs at positions that are more important than the position than than Tyler Linderbaum playing center. And that's probably the direction Joe Douglas goes come draft day. And as I said, I'm a big Linderbaum guy. If they took him at eight, I wouldn't mind one bit. I would love watching him line up every Sunday with AVT and Becton. But I'm just looking at Joe Douglas and thinking, I'm not the GM. It's not my job on the line. Do I take a center and then not have a guy who can get to the quarterback? Or not have a corner who can cover anybody? Or not have a linebacker? Not that that I think they'll be doing that in that spot. And Kyle Hamilton. I don't love the idea of a safety in the top 10 again. Non-premium position. However, with a guy like Hamilton... Does he become premium if you say, well, he can play the slot? Slot corner is an increasingly important position in today's NFL. If you look at Hamilton, I think he can support the run. 
He can support the pass. He can line up in the slot. That in- <clears throat> excuse me. That increases his value. So while Jets fans may cringe at the thought of a safety, if Robert Sala looks at him and tells Joe Douglas, this is a guy who I can help turn our defense around and make it an elite unit, they maybe grab him. And again, I, I put it out there on the message boards at JetNation.com. I put it out on Twitter. And there were some people killing me. Like I said, like I said, draft this guy now. I just asked the question. Because I'm I'm I, I I don't know how I feel about it. The thought of a safety in the top ten, don't want any part of it. I don't. But if they feel like this is a guy who can be a legitimate slot guy, a guy who can play the run, play the pass, that might be the direction they go, whether I want it or not, or whether you want it or not. This is about the Jets putting together the best roster they can, and this defense is terrible right now. And it's terrible because they don't have a legit safety. They have some guys who are doing some good things, they're getting a little bit better. We've enjoyed that. But nobody back there is a game changer. My preference, if you're going to go defense, get an edge and get a corner. If you're going to take a lineman with one of those two picks, get an edge and get a tackle. Get those premium positions in those premium spots. And I think that's the direction the Jets go. Whether or not that's how it plays out, we'll see. We have plenty of time to talk draft. Because there's gonna listen, this will be a fun year for that with the Jets likely having two top 10 picks. But for for myself and others who have been saying Linderbaum, 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 I'm watching this defense give up 33 points to Gardner Minshew. And I'm thinking, you know what? I think I think they need to bring in some people who can stop other offenses. Because as we've seen with this current Jets offense, O-line's been much better. And when it was Mike White, when it was Josh Johnson, Joe Flacco, offense looked fine. What most? What is it? I, I think the Jet that four week stretch, more yards than any team in the NFL. And a big part of that, and this is what I want to talk about next. A big part of that was because of their wide receiving core. The Jets, as we talked about, have a lot of depth at receiver. However, there have been some injuries. There has been a a. Uh, Denzel Mims has been ostracized, so he hasn't been a factor. But Keelan Cole's been nicked up. He's had COVID. Corey Davis was nicked up, and now he's out for the rest of the season. Corey Davis goes to IR. So now you look at next year's group, and the only guys you have remaining under contract next year, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims. Keelan Cole, one-year deal. Jamison Crowder had one year left on his deal that you asked him to take a huge pay cut. Now now that we see how reliable he's been, do the Jets try to bring him back? Does he even want to come back? Jamison Crowder handled everything like a pro, but behind closed doors, he might just be like, look, this team asked me to take a huge pay cut at the last second when I had no other options and kind of had, you know, had me in a position where they could take some money off the table and they did it, so maybe he's, maybe he wants to move on. Because I'll tell you what, Crowder is, da- is a damn good slot. And if you're going to keep lining more up on the outside, which you absolutely should do, and Davis on the other side, Crowder in the slot, that's that's a good group. That's a good trio. 
But do they go that way? Do they bring Keelan Cole? Keelan Cole, the numbers aren't there. Not huge numbers. But when he's been targeted, that guy's been really impressive. He's. I thought he would be good. He's been better than I expected. So Keelan Cole is due to leave. Do you retain him? Crowder's due to leave. Do you retain him? If not, you've got three guys coming back. Now receiver, whether it's free agency or the draft, becomes a bigger need than it was. But even still, with, the, with Denzel Mims, if Denzel Mims doesn't do something over the next five weeks, you have to imagine he's gone this offseason. Because this has been a nightmare year for him. He's not been given many opportunities. And the few opportunities he's had, as we've discussed, he's got a few drops. Which is probably a product of pressing, right? Last season, Denzel Mims, rookie year, 44 targets, one drop. This year, 15 targets, three drops. Huge disparity. The guy is probably, again, he knows that his his opportunities are, are few and far between. Now, that may change with Corey Davis being out, or it may not, because we could just see Keelan Colbeck get plugged into that spot. Denzel Mims stays on the bench. We're going to find out this Sunday when the Jets play the Saints, because really, Mims and, and and Zach Wilson haven't spent a lot of time together on the field, so there's there's not a lot of chemistry there. But if Denzel Mims makes a few plays and gets himself into the conversation for a guy who can make who can stick with this roster next year, that makes life a little bit easier. But if he's not, if Denzel Mims doesn't impress, now you're talking about a wide receiver group that has two guys coming back. Because Mims could be on his way out the door. And speaking of guys who are in just their second year with the team and could be on their way out the door, LaMichael Pirine. I hate to keep beating this dead horse. It's not LaMichael Pirine's fault. But they just, they're just they just elevating practice squad guys onto the roster and then over him on the depth chart. Not because of anything he's done, but he just doesn't fit this offense. Now, do the Jets feel like they want to hang on to him because maybe they can get a day three pick for him in the draft? We'll see. As it stands right now, he's not done enough for this team to believe he'll be around next year. And you might just end up having to release him outright. So Denzel Mims and LaMichael P. Ryan could be on their way out. My hope is that Denzel Mims finally gets some targets, relaxes a little bit, stop pressing, stop trying to make a play before you have the ball in your hands because you're trying to you're trying to do something that gets you some playing time and win some favor with the coaches. Just relax, play the way you did last year when he played pretty damn well. When you consider the fact that he was playing for the worst the worst head coach this team has ever had for the 32nd ranked offense, um, poor quarterback play. It, everything was just a disaster last year. And then for Mims personally, between COVID and food poisoning and struggling to hold on to the football and his limited opportunities, it's been a nightmare season for him. But now this is his chance, at least we would imagine, for him to turn things around and get things headed on the right track. So this Sunday against the Saints is a big day for him. And it's also going to be a big day for Eddie Pinheiro. Who's Eddie Pinheiro? He's the new kicker. Because the Jets need a new kicker every week or two. Because uh, they're, they're a disaster. Matt Amendola was, was let go. And now he's back, by the way. Back on the practice squad. But Pinheiro's a guy who last kicked in 2019. He was 23 out of 28. 
and he went 19 for uh or sorry he went in he went two for three on kicks over 50 yards and I believe I don't have the numbers in front of me I believe 27 of 29 on extra points so you know he's a guy that has some pro experience has shown he has a big leg and he can, he can connect on 50 plus and he's a reliable guy at extra points which the Jets haven't had this year but I do like bringing Amendola back Matt Amendola as I pointed out a few weeks ago and I, I saw people tweeting it out. I believe Michael uh, Nania tweeted it out. And, it was, and, and I agree 100%. The guy missed a 55-yarder that hit the upright about three-quarters of the way up. I'm looking at that kick and thinking that, that might be good from 70. I mean, when a guy's hitting a 55-yarder halfway or two-thirds of the way up the upright, that's elite leg strength. There aren't a lot of guys who can do that. So by all means, keep that guy in your building and keep working with him. For my money, keep him on the roster now. Let him work through it now. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to the playoffs. Let him keep kicking in live game action and keep working with him, and you might have a really good kicker sometime down the line. Now, maybe another team snags him off the practice squad. That remains to be seen. But really, this whole Jets kicking situation is a disaster. I said a couple years ago, I I said to myself the other day, so when did I send that tweet out about the Jets should bring Nick Folk in for a look? Like go on the Twitter search. August 2018. We're now December 2021. August 2018, I was like, hey, uh, the Jets kicking situation looks like it's not going to be resolved anytime soon. Why not bring Nick Folk in for a look? And now he's just banging them through for the Patriots, who are probably going to win another Super Bowl. Jesus Christ. Anyway... So that wraps things up for us this week, Jets fans. Uh, shortest show. We're going we're gonna to try to set something up here in the near future and get Jet Nation's own green bean on with us to talk a little bit of Jets football. And uh, hopefully this Sunday, or hopefully this this Monday, Monday at, well, at least my time, uh, I'll be going live after the Jet Saints game. Hopefully we're talking about a win. Hopefully more progress from Zach Wilson. And hopefully a big day for Denzel Mims. Uh, man, the Jets fans turn on people quick. Here's a guy, last year, steal of the draft. Oh, first round grade. What a steal. This guy's going to be the biggest steal ever. Halfway through his second season, why did we draft this guy? He's a bum. Cut him. People are crazy. But, right, fan, fanatic, we're all out of our minds with this stuff. People get a little bit nuts, and uh, they want guys gone 10 minutes after they're drafted. Uh, so it goes, right? Life is an NFL fan. Check us out next week on Jet Nation Radio. Be sure to tune in. Uh, Alex Varallo, Dylan Terriman will be doing the Jet Nation Night Show. I'll keep doing this, the Jet Nation AM, and we will uh, keep you posted. And looking forward to catching up next week. Have a good one, Jets fans.